Hi, this is Pam Johnson with my third and final talk on CT of the Adrenal Land. And for the remainder of this topic, I'm going to review some non-neoplastic pathology and some pitfalls in adrenal imaging. So starting with non-neoplastic disease, there are a number of pathologies that, in addition to malignancy and metastatic disease, that can involve the adrenal glands, including calcification, hyperplasia, hyperenhancement, hemorrhage, and pseudocysts, and let's review each of these. Here's a nice example of bilateral adrenal calcification due to prior granulomatous disease. In this case, it's just basically calcification of the adrenal glands without the presence of a mass. The other cause for adrenal calcification includes previous hemorrhage, or, and calcification can be seen in the setting of some tumors, but typically there will be some element of a mass associated in those cases, as opposed to just this diffuse adrenal calcification in this patient who had granulomatous disease in the past. Adrenal hyperplasia is defined as thickening of the limbs greater than 5 millimeters. The normal adrenal limbs should be less than 5 millimeters. And this can be a cause of Cushing syndrome or Kahn syndrome, as I reviewed in my first talk. Here's a nice example of adrenal hyperplasia, bilateral adrenal thickening, but the adrenoform shape is maintained both in the right and left adrenal glands in this woman with Cushing's disease. Same patient, coronal volume renderings showing that again the adrenal shape is maintained but the glands are diffusely thickened. This is adrenal hyperplasia. The hyperenhancing adrenals are an important finding to be recognized in the setting of shock. The, sh the cause of shock may be trauma, sepsis, pancreatitis, or hemorrhage-induced hypotension. In these patients, when the adrenal glands become very brightly enhancing, it is a poor prognostic indicator. So here's a trauma patient. This is a pediatric patient. Look at how brightly the adrenal glands are enhancing. This is a patient in shock. Um, bilateral hyperenhancement, and uh, that is a poor prognostic indicator. Now, just one point to be made here, this is more commonly seen in pediatric patients. In adult patients who are in hypotensive shock, they may still have very severe shock without this finding, and the absence of it does not um, indicate that the patient still uh, has a good prognosis, but identification of it is associated with a poor prognosis. So let's discuss adrenal hemorrhage. I'm going to spend a little time on this. There are a number of different causes, and there are also a range of CT appearances, and this is a finding that we don't want to miss, particularly when it's bilateral. When it's unilateral, it's typically caused by trauma or biopsy. It can be in the presence of a tumor or, or an incidental finding. Bilateral adrenal hemorrhage is more um, frequently associated with anticoagulation, either heparin associated thrombocytopenia or a patient with antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. It can also be seen in patients on steroids or patients who are in severe stress like the intensive care unit patients, burn patients, patients who are who have sepsis or hypotension. Classically it was described with Waterhouse-Friedrichsen syndrome and meningococcal sepsis but this is a, a pretty rare cause. We have a lot of more common causes currently in clinical medicine. So Let's review the appearance of different patients. Here is our first case of adrenal hemorrhage. This is a CT performed for pulmonary embolism. There's a m mildly hyperdense mass in the right adrenal gland. Well, this is a, a uh, 
this is a delayed pre-contrast scan, actually. On a post-contrast scan, you would not be able to tell whether it was an enhancing mass or a hyper-attenuating mass due to hemorrhage. This is the caused by unilateral adrenal hemorrhage, and the way that we confirm this is that here's a CT seven days earlier. So really the only adrenal mass that appears in that short time frame is adrenal hemorrhage, and very important to compare to old studies. Uh, as you'll see, some of these can be small and similar in appearance to some of the adrenal adenomas I showed you previously. This is why in your intensive care unit patients, so important to compare to a prior scan. You cannot just assume that a small adrenal mass is an adenoma. Uh, and if you see it on the previous scan that the lesion was not present, then you have to be concerned about hemorrhage that the patient has developed an adrenal hemorrhage. Here's a patient with flank pain after a motor vehicle accident. This is a more mildly heterogeneous mass in the right adrenal gland with central increased density and peripheral low density. This is an acute hemorrhage. And as I mentioned previously, in the setting of trauma, it's more commonly right-sided. And these will resolve over time. As we see on the follow-up CT on the right, the lesion has decreased in size and become more uniformly fluid density. Our concern with adrenal hemorrhage is that if the hemorrhage is bilateral, the patient can develop adrenal insufficiency, which is life-threatening. This often presents with nonspecific symptoms, fatigue, muscle weakness, vomiting, abdominal pain, behavioral changes, hypotension, and it is often not clinically suspected. So the radiologist may be the first individual to make the diagnosis. This needs to be communicated immediately to the physician caring for the patient because uh, steroid replacement must be performed or the patient can um, potentially, it's potentially life-threatening. So here's a couple of examples of post-operative hemorrhage. As I mentioned previously, these can be small, similar in size to the adenomas that I show. This is a 74-year-old patient who became acutely hypotensive post-operative day seven. And these are... Um, Bilateral adrenal hemorrhage is small. You can see that they are peripherally hyperdense and centrally low density. And this is a nice example of acute bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. Here is a patient who was critically ill and anticoagulated, developed HIT, an acute abdominal pain, and adrenal insufficiency due to bilateral adrenal hemorrhages. Now you see the image on the left and the image on the right. These are well defined homogeneous hyperdense masses. This is one, one appearance of bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. Here's a patient with spontaneous adrenal hemorrhage and the appearance on the left is different from the appearance on the right, but this patient also developed adrenal insufficiency and therefore this is bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. In the image on the left, we see that in the right adrenal gland, there's a mass due to, due to uh, hemorrhage. But in the left adrenal gland, there's just adreniform enlargement. It's slightly heterogeneous. Important to recognize that hemorrhage does not always appear like a mass. It may just appear like adrenal enlargement. And you must raise consideration of bilateral adrenal hemorrhage so that they check the cortisol level and determine whether the patient needs steroid administration. Here is a patient with yet a different appearance of adrenal hemorrhage. This is an anticoagulated patient. We can see that the left adrenal gland has been replaced by a large hyperattenuating, mildly heterogeneous hemorrhage that extends into the left retroperitoneum and displaces the kidney. So these can be larger and can extend into the retroperitoneum. So this is an acute adrenal hemorrhage that 
is evident by the density on the pre-contrast scan, particularly with the uh, windowing used on the image on the right. This is a rare example of uh, acute hemorrhage with active bleeding into the right retroperitoneum. This is a 46-year-old man with hypertension and who had a spontaneous right adrenal hemorrhage that necessitated right adrenal artery embolization. You can see on both the arterial and venous acquisitions, arterial, the two images on the top, and venous, the two images on the bottom, that there is active bleeding, active contrast extravasation into this into this right retroperitoneal hematoma. This is an emergency. This patient was embolized. Subsequently, an ultrasound-guided biopsy revealed that there was an underlying pheochromocytoma. So, rare, but very important not to miss this finding. Here is yet another somewhat atypical appearance, but important to recognize a patient with bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. In this case, there is just ill-defined stranding and enlargement of the glands extending into the retroperitoneum bilaterally. This is a patient who developed adrenal insufficiency uh, due to bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. So if you ever see this appearance, you must raise consideration of hemorrhage. And again, the cortisol levels should be checked. So at follow-up, this is the same patient. You can see that uh, acute hemorrhage, one-month follow-up, two-month follow-up. There's gradual resorption of that stranding and that the presence of hemorrhage and the adrenal glands become progressively better defined at follow-up. Now, one of the sequelae of previous hemorrhage is adrenal pseudocysts. These can be unilocular or multilocular. Almost half of them will contain calcification. There's a difference between an adrenal pseudocyst that is the sequel of hemorrhage and the presence of a pseudocyst in association with an adrenal tumor, and I will show you an example of that. But first, a couple of adrenal pseudocysts. Here's one with circumferential peripheral calcification and fluid density centrally. Here's one that is fluid density with a thin wall except for two coarse calcifications. And a third adrenal pseudocyst that is multiloculated with a thin calcified septation. These are levolone lesions. They are fluid. There's no soft tissue component. Even the presence of calcification is not an indicator that this is any type of malignancy. This is a, uh, a cyst, a simple cyst, and does not need to be resected unless it is symptomatic or... Um, or the patient develops some complication related to it. So now I would like to show you the difference between your simple pseudocyst on the left with a thin wall and calcifications and the cystic pheochromocytoma that I showed you previously. Note the difference in the wall. The, the malignancy has an irregular wall. You can see some thin septations. This is the appearance of a cystic neoplasm and is different from a pseudocyst. Okay, let's review some pitfalls in adrenal imaging. There are some pathologies that can mimic adrenal tumors, and they're important to recognize. Here's the first. These are retroperitoneal varices on the arterial phase. They look, it looks like a soft tissue, elongated soft tissue mass, maybe adenopathy. On the venous phase, it is clearly retroperitoneal varices. So important to remember that varices are uh, enhanced to their brightest on the venous phase. Splenic artery aneurysm, mimicking a peripherally calcified left adrenal mass, but we can see the connection to the splenic artery here, and uh, it's, it is a thrombose lesion, but the artery, as you can see on the enhanced image on the left, the artery is patent, the aneurysm is thrombosed, and a nice 3D rendering, again, showing the relationship of the aneurysm to the splenic artery. 
This is a gastric diverticulum mimicking an adrenal mass and important in these cases to look at the multiplanar reconstructions or 3D renderings and show that this is contiguous with the stomach, um, not to be confused with an adrenal mass. There are some tumors that will mimic adrenal cortical carcinoma. Large retroperitoneal masses can be difficult to distinguish exactly the etiology, and here's a few examples. Here's a patient with a patocellular carcinoma that looks like it is arising primarily from the right retroperitoneum. We see the neovascularity in the image on the left. It's heterogeneous mass, similar to the adrenal cortical carcinomas that I showed you before. Very similar on the coronal volume rendering, invading the inferior vena cava, like the case I showed you of adrenal cortical carcinoma, but at pathology, this was actually a very exophytic hepatocellular carcinoma. So the, when these masses get very large, of course, your, your number one differential in this case would be adrenal cortical carcinoma, but it's important to recognize that there are other pathologies that can have a similar appearance. Here's a patient with a retroperitoneal leiomyosarcoma with calcification, also similar in appearance to the pheochromocytomas that I showed you previously, displacing the right kidney and stretching the renal vasculature. Here's a patient with a very large necrotic pheochromocytoma with a peripheral solid component and central necrosis. Similar to the adrenal cortical carcinoma, when these lesions become very large, it's difficult to determine, um, to distinguish adrenal cortical carcinoma from these other pathologies. Here's a patient with a large uh, hematoma, and we've seen a few cases of this. It's um, on the pre-contrast, it just looks somewhat cystic, but we give, after contrast administration, there are some areas of very mild enhancement peripherally. So, of course, our concern is that this is an adrenal cortical carcinoma. It's important to recognize that there are a very small minority of large hematomas that can have this appearance. This patient is going to undergo surgery because of the size of the lesion and the presence of enhancement, but uh, it's important for the surgeon and the patient to recognize that there's a very rare chance that this may turn out to be just a large hematoma. There are, um, in some cases, renal cell carcinoma can mimic a pheochromocytoma. This is really the primary metastasis that mimics pheochromocytoma because of the hypervascularity and the propensity to develop central necrosis as they enlarge. As we see in this case in the right adrenal, there's a hypervascular mass with central necrosis. This was a renal cell carcinoma metastasis. And finally, I'd just like to briefly discuss collision tumors, and it's important to recognize that in the adrenal gland, on occasion, two different pathologies will coexist, and this uh, often presents a diagnostic dilemma because you'll see a tumor that appears like one type of tumor, and yet the clinical presentation is in inconsistent. So here's an example. We see a mass with macroscopic fat that we presume is a myelolipoma, and yet the patient has Cushing's disease. We know that myelolipomas are not functioning. So here is a patient with that presentation. We see macroscopic fat in a small lesion, and at pathology, this was an adenoma and a myelolipoma and a collision tumor. So in conclusion, I hope that in my three talks, uh, I have uh, covered uh, all of the important components of adrenal CT imaging, understanding the role of post-contrast imaging, knowing the proper timing for washout assessment, recognizing the imaging characteristics of benign and malignant tumors, and becoming aware of pitfalls and lesions that mimic other adrenal pathology. Thank you very much. Have a great day.